Life Audio. The big question we have, which is to say, what is it about that idea of I need someone or something or, you know, to tell me when, how much, et cetera, how to eat, and then I feel good. There's an underlying belief system there that feeds our sort of religious propensity, but also feeds our, I don't feel I can trust my body. So again, there's an underlying belief system of not being able to trust our body, which if I give the controls over to somebody else, I feel better. Hey friend, Heather Creekmore here. I'm glad you're listening to the show today. Today we are digging in to how can I feel better about my body? And I'll tell you more about that in just a second. My guest on today's show is Amy Carlson. She's a non-diet dietitian and eating disorder specialist with all kinds of degrees in this stuff. But friends, let me just tell you, she knows about food and eating issues, and she's been working with clients on these issues for decades. She is an expert in every sense of the word. Amy knows not just about our food and dieting issues, though. She knows the truth of scripture. And I'm excited for you to hear our conversation today where we are answering a listener question about how to feel better in our bodies. Don't we all have that question? I think you're going to love where our conversation goes today. If you want to check out Amy Carlson, learn more about her, you can do so at Peace With Food. In fact, they even have a Peace With Food app you may want to try, which is really designed to help you think more, be more mindful about your food choices. You can find out more about that at peacewithfood.com. And hey, friend, if today's show blesses you, will you share it with a friend? I know that you know someone who needs to hear some encouragement on this topic. So share this episode with her or hey, leave a review. That's one of the nicest things you can do for me. Uh, it helps other people find this show. And I know there are other Christian women who are struggling with these same issues that you and I are struggling with. So share the love by leaving a review or sharing with a friend. Okay, let's get right to it. Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you make peace with your body so you can savor God's rest and feel his love. If you're tired of fighting body image the world's way, Compare to Who is the show for you. You've likely heard lots of talk about loving your body, but my goal is different. Striving to fall in love with stretch marks and cellulite is a little silly to me. Instead, I want to encourage you and remind you with the truth of scripture that you are seen, you are known, and you are loved no matter what your size or shape. Here the pressure is off. If you're looking for real talk, biblical encouragement, and regular reminders that God loves you and you're not alone, you've come to the right place. I hope you enjoy today's show and hey, tell a friend about it. Amy Carlson, thanks for being on the Compared Who show. Although when you're on, it's Thanks for being on the Amy and Heather show, <laughs> right? Oh yeah. I was just telling Heather, sometimes it feels like an old fashioned radio show when we get on together. <laughs> I love, I love it. it. It's, it's, too. I it's love always it. good stuff. <laughs> so today, our topic for the day is how to feel better about your body. It's just a little topic. I think, you know, we'll probably wrap it up in five minutes, right, Amy? Oh yeah. <laughs> We've got three points to feeling better in your body. Three points. Yeah. Folks. Three points. <laughs> no, but today I asked Amy to be on the show because, oh, there's just a lot of stuff stirring. A lot of thoughts yeah. are always stirring. Um, things I read, things I see. I actually had a listener reach out to me 
she made this point, Amy. She was like, I really do feel better about my body when I'm watching what I eat. And to kind of take that one step further and just a little bit else she shared, I'm not going to, you know, disclose everything she shared, but but almost trying to make the case that when she is dieting or to what extent, you know, following disordered eating patterns, I'm not sure, but when she's on a plan, she feels better about her body. And I think she would probably say feels better in her body, Mm -hmm. but I'm wondering, and, and just my own experience I feel like sometimes we trick ourselves on that front. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, like sometimes we feel better in our bodies because, and I don't know if I should jump to my thesis statement already, Amy, without even you getting to jump in on this, (laughs) (laughs) but, but I think sometimes we feel better in our bodies because we are following our own rules of righteousness. Mm -hmm. And that's why we feel better. And it's not actually a physical thing or is it a physical thing, mm-hmm. Amy? What, what's happening? What, what are your thoughts? <laughs> That's our topic. Go. That's our topic. <laughs> oh, golly. I love this. Um, <clears throat> what's fun for me? Uh, well, it's for me to be on here because we always do have riveting topics. That's why you asked me to come on is when we have riveting topics. Um, but what's fun is that uh, I've been doing this for so long. You know, I've been walking with women and, and some men and, and but I've been walking with girls and women and down this road for a really long time, you know, over 25 years in this field. And so what's cool is I have a lot of anecdotal experiences, but I also have my own kind of longitudinal studies, you know, it's not like, Hey, in my last two years of, of which is wonderful. And I love that people are, are new to the field, but, um, it is, it is something I'm grateful for is to be able to kind of mine the riches of that that length of doing this. So I I would love to take two quick angles and you can jump in anytime. Obviously it's your show, (laughs) Um, but I would love to take two, two angles. One is just the physiological thing that's happening. I actually hear that quite a bit in my office too. And so when you said that listener said, Hey, I, I would argue that I feel better. I just feel better when I'm following something. Um, there's a basis, a physiological basis. There's something just happening with our bodies that for many, many people that are in the diet culture and kind of do the yin and yang in and out of it, um, when they're quote unquote out of it, their eating is fairly chaotic and they're often Mm -hmm. eating things that they've forbidden themselves from eating. Um, Mm -hmm. and sometimes to an extent where they're even overeating, they're, they're getting overly full. They again are disconnected from those signals that would say hungry and full, and they're always carrying sort of a restrictive mindset. So they're Mm -hmm. feeling like I shouldn't be eating this, but I'm off quote unquote my plan. And so, and they, um, they mistake that for let's say intuitive eating or food mm-hmm. freedom. They mistake that they might call it that, but that's not really what it is. It's fairly chaotic eating. Um, and it's really dieting just the other side of it, which is to say, I'm being very restrictive and I'm following my rules. And now I'm, you know, forget about it. I'm, you know, I, I pressed the finish line. I went on that vacation or I did that thing. And now I'm going to kind of let myself go. And so what happens is they're not really eating kind of with autonomy or integrity in terms of what their body wants and needs. They're really eating to say, screw you diet. Um, Mm -hmm. 
or just the response, the physiological response to having been very restrictive on a diet is often the other side of that is your body is saying, I need food. I need food. I need food. And it usually isn't like, Hey, I need roasted carrots and some, you know, chicken breast. It's like, Hey, I need ice cream and you know, all those things. So when she says, I actually feel better, there is something happening because whatever that diet is you're following, it often mimics a more normal eating pattern. It, it mimics sort of, um, just that eating every few hours and, um, eating a wide variety of foods typically, hopefully. Um, and so there is some modeling of very normal eating that happens depending upon what you're doing in which you would feel better. So the reality is, is that there probably is something to that. I often say, you know, again, it's like letting go of dieting and diet culture is not, it's not then diving headfirst into, uh, overeating and doing all those things, because that's not what your body wants and needs anyway. That's not what feels good. So often I'll say that's probably true. I'll just affirm that that's probably true. You probably do feel better. And let's, let's investigate why that might be. Um, so that's true. Then the other thing is, um, what you just said, actually, okay, now there's three points I'm going to make. So the other thing is what you just (laughs) said, which is the, um, our own sort of self-righteousness. And again, we can unpack that word, but we'll just keep going, which is to say, um, I said, I was going to do these things. I think these things are good. And so I'm going to do them. It's kind of like, Hey, I said, I was going to donate to a charity and I'm doing it. And I feel good about myself. I said, I was Mm going to, so there is a sense of, I feel better. So there's the body part, which is very likely maybe you do. Then there's sort of this self-righteousness or or even a sense of accomplishment or which Mm -hmm. says, I set out to do this and I'm doing it. And that does feel good. So that could be true too. But the underlying uh, belief system behind what she's saying is, I just feel better when I'm following a plan and when I'm following kind of, you know, food rules, et cetera. And the underlying belief system underneath that is I can't do that on my own. I have Mm -hmm. to have something external. Tell me what I need to do to feel good internally. Mm -hmm. That's in some ways what we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. That's kind of um, the big question we have, which is to say, what is it about that idea of I need someone or something or, you know, to tell me when, how much, et cetera, how to eat. And then I feel good. There's an underlying belief system there that feeds our sort of religious propensity, um, but also feeds our, our, I don't, I don't feel I can trust my body. So again, there's an underlying belief system of not being able to trust our body, um, which if I give the controls over to somebody else, I feel better. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. 
Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. My first thought was, could part of it be that one feels better when following a plan aligned with the righteousness concept, but one feels better when following a plan because when you're off the plan, you feel guilty. Yeah. Right. That, and, and you mentioned that. Yeah. Go, go ahead. No, yeah. no, I think you're right. I think, and, and right, because it aligns with a, a huge assumption. Oh boy. I wish I could, I wish we could had a, a quick focus group. If you and I could just like buzz in, if, we, <laughs> if it was our radio show, we could just like callers call in <laughs> and I would have teachers call in and uh, mm-hmm. nurses call in. And because there are specific groups um, that are very prone to this, which is to say mm-hmm. teachers kind of all start together. They start a program. There's sort of this language around it. I, I, had two parents that were teachers and have a lot of families, sister-in-law, brother-in-law, sister, but you know, that are, are teachers. And there is that language, um, mm. that is, so you even have this guilt of, I'm not doing something for myself. I'm, I feel, I feel some heaviness or shame. My, my, my sister-in-law is one of my very, very dearest friends. We have lived life together. You know, she'll say, Oh, here it goes, you know, here, here's, she's a teacher and she'll say, here it is. And so I'll, she'll just say, just remind me what's true. You know, it's remind me because I feel guilty. I'm not doing that thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and nurses are different groups and we can do it really in any, any sort of setting, but I think you're right. So I'm not doing something for myself. So absolutely. I feel guilty. Mm -hmm. So, but then, so then let's, let's take that. What's underneath that in order to feel guilty, you have to be doing something well you have to feel as if you are doing something mm-hmm. wrong yeah and then the question is well who says you're doing something wrong when you are not following a plan yeah a specific plan and and that that language could be a little fuzzy I, maybe i just need to say a diet but some people don't call their diets diets anymore yeah, so right. that's why i'm that's why i'm being vague yeah. um yeah those you know, that, you, that words out of out of right yeah, it's not not <laughs> fashionable. I mean, if you put someone on a plan, I think that's different than someone following the, one one of those more more restrictive plans. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's maybe that's the way I need to phrase it. Yeah, a plan that restricts. Mm-hmm. So then it it comes to like who has who has drilled that message into our heads that that is the definition of guilt. Yeah. No, jump in and off. I'm just thinking, <laughs> man, Heather and I might need to take this offline. We're going to get going. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just so aware. I'm so aware. And I feel, um, so the culture, right. I mean, the culture is, is, and in fact, we are so consumed, right. As a consumeristic cu- culture, um, with, one is this idea of our bodies being quote unquote, the best version of themselves. So again, which is to say who sets up that best version, but we, right. We would say the culture would, would put on the pedestal, you know, any, I mean, thin is the bottom, you know, even though we can say all the movement that's happened with, you know, health at every size or, um, you know, body neutrality and just lots and lots of work that's happened but still people would say thin I, in my office, that would be the case, right. no matter what size they are, 
they would want to be more thin. Um, so culture does that, but our churches and our church culture and our Christian culture mimics that almost side by side. In fact, sometimes it is more painful. And I was just writing about this, um, this idea of, you know, coming into my office when it's inner interwoven into theology, it's a lot more of a tangled mess to unpack because I'm, I'm touching, I'm like touch, you know, that game operator when our kids were little and we would mm-hmm. go in mm-hmm. and we try not to hit the side operation. Yep. operation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was awful. At that I, me too. I'm like, <laughs> why didn't I have steady hands? It was very scary. I don't know why, but you know, I feel like I'm sort of trying to get at the thing without disturbing this thing. And then I'm, and I say, you know what, forget about it. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to unpack your theology and we're going to start over in terms of, we want Christ alone. I, I, you know, when Paul says, I, you know, claim nothing, but, but Christ and him crucified, it's like, whoa, how did we get this all intertwined? And so I would say both the culture, diet, culture, language. So I have a a sweet, um, love her. She is incredible, uh, client that's young. I've had her for a couple of years. One of the youngest clients I've ever had. So now I've had her for a couple of years. She's not just does not profess to know the Lord. She didn't it doesn't not grown up like that. Um, but she, wow, we have some of the best conversations and she, when she started her eating disorder, um, she, I mean, she had, she's a normal weight kid, you know, in junior high and got a phone and, um, was looking at recipes on, on Pinterest. I'm just going to, I should say social media platform. If you need to take that out, I don't know. Um, but she was looking at recipes and, as we unpacked her story, which you have a very short story when you're pretty young, right? Mm-hmm. She said, I didn't know there was anything wrong with my body until then. And there was mm-hmm. nothing wrong with her body. Right. Mm-hmm. But just like that, just like that, the message was you're not okay. And you need to do something about it. Mm-hmm. So this message starts very early. And sometimes it doesn't happen in the context of our own home. That didn't happen in the context of her home. It started as soon as she saw that on social media and it was so, it was so fun to kind of unpack with her. Wow. I wonder, I want, we don't even give our kids the, the tools of critical thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Where, where am I getting this message? Why would I think this is true? Mm-hmm. What, why would I think that somebody knows better about my body than me? Mm-hmm. So again, and I always say somewhere along their story, when somebody comes in my office and I say, Hey, here, let's start. Just tell me your story. Um, as it relates to body and food, but you can tell me as much as you want other things. And somewhere along the way, we'll go, oh, right there, right. There's where you mm-hmm. changed your internal cues for external cues, right. There's where you mm-hmm. said, oh, I'm no longer have autonomy or agency. I can't be trusted. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to trust. And this is what always makes them giggle. Also, so you thought a social media platform might be a more transparent than yourself. It's so interesting, <laughs> right? Right. It's so interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even like taking, so I kind of do something similar when I talk to people about food rules mm-hmm. and I may have sh- shared this on the show before, but I was talking to a younger woman and she's probably in her twenties. So just as reference, she would not have been like you and I able to watch the Oprah Winfrey show oh, yeah, sure. in the 1980s or 90s. Okay. <laughs> that would not have been part of her story, of her lived experience, yeah. but she's sharing with me how she knows not to eat white food mm. and how that's just been a rule that she's had for a long time. Mm. And, 
And, and I was like, now you, you didn't come up with that rule that that rule came from someone. She's like, maybe my mom. And I was like, do you know where your mom got that rule? Yeah. Like, did your mom get that rule from her doctor? And I don't, I, yeah, I don't know where she got it. I was like, I think I know where she got it. Cause I think your mom and I are probably the same age. I think she got it from the Oprah Winfrey show in like 1987, right? Because that was Oprah's big thing. Yeah. And I do think once you can do that, it's like, oh, wait a second. Like, especially, I mean, especially if you are a younger person listening, it's like, oh, that's where it came from. Yeah. Like, yeah. To that right. person that's not even relevant anymore. I mean, you know, I guess it was still relevant, but, yeah. but you know what yes. I'm saying? Um, it's, it's fascinating how just a little tiny, like you said, a recipe on Pinterest or just a little teeny tiny little idea yeah. becomes a rule that is lived by generationally generation because it wasn't even her rule it was her mom's rule right her mom picked it up from oprah and then she and and i mean who knows if if she hadn't if we hadn't met if if that would be passed on to her children and their children you know it's so it's crazy Mm -hmm. and it's like why amy like why do we why are we so desperate for truth? I think is the way I would phrase the question. Yeah. Right. Is it, isn't that what it is? We're looking for truth. Yeah. And, and the, the thing is, is that, um, <laughs> rules like this are easy to know whether we're following or we're not, or whether we're good at them or not, mm. or whether we can check a box or not. In fact, I had a client yesterday in session and I said, boy, it's hard not to be able to check a box. And she said, man, I want you to give me some boxes. And I said, okay, mm. I'm going to give you a box. And it's going to be, you check it when you can live a day without checking a box. <laughs> check that box. <laughs> and she looked at me like, Ugh, I don't know. It was hard, right? I mean, it's hard. It's yeah. easy for me to, to, when I'm following my food rules or I'm doing my plan or whatever. But, and again, it takes away. And, and we do this in the Christian culture. I mean, I know you asked me to come on the show to talk about hard things. So I'm going to, I'm going to do it um, because that's why you're asking me, but um, the Christian culture is uh, this subculture. So not Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ came in the flesh. He sanctified the body. He, he did things that were wild and unruly in the body. He touched women, he healed women. He touched unclean people. He let people wash his feet. He washed other people's feet. He just kept sanctifying this body. And it was mm-hmm. the Pharisees who kept calling him unclean, kept calling mm-hmm. him. You're not following the rules. You're not following the rules. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're making this, this unruly. It's hard to follow. We can't track you. You're, and Jesus kept doing these things in the body that were life-changing and mm-hmm. they were awe-inspiring to those around him. And so it's so fascinating to me that we as Christians often just go according to the rules of culture or mm-hmm. the rules, uh, man-made rules sometimes that happen in church. Now that I know that mm-hmm. could, could blow up and, um, but often there are man-made rules in church that we consider to be more important, um, than the word of God. It's mm-hmm. like, wait, what does the word of God say about this? And so often yeah. I just, we were having a really, and I was having a really intense session this week with a a beautiful, precious, um, client of mine. And I, we just stopped. She just was having a lot of emotion. And I said, let's just stop. And let's just ask the Lord, what, what, what do you have to say about this? What do you want to speak into this? 
when you start dismantling those rules and you start going, there is no prescription for this perfect body that I've wanted for my whole life. I've wanted this perfect body for my whole life. And I'll always say to what end, what's going to happen when you have that perfect body. And um, I, this one precious client this week said, I, I confess I'm idolizing a thin mm-hmm. body. I just, I'm, I'm idolizing it still. I'm making it. And so I said, what do you believe is going to happen? So she had talked about all these things that were happening in her um, month, just a lot of different stories with some tension and tension on body. And I said, what do you believe will happen if you're in that thinner body and all those circumstances? And she said two mm-hmm. things in each one of those situations, I'll be loved more. Mm-hmm. And she said, and second, I'll be more confident. And I said, Mm -hmm. well, well, do you think, I just am curious if you think that's true. And she said, absolutely not. I've been thinner. I didn't feel more loved and I've been thinner and I didn't feel more confident. And so she said, Mm -hmm. I know it's a mirage. In fact, I feel the most Mm -hmm. beautiful and loved and confident I've ever felt. And I said, wow, that's so weird that our, that Mm -hmm. we still gravitate towards that. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting that we gravitate. And so we, we as believers, and we just get it, which is what you get to do on this podcast. You just keep bringing truth and we go, let's look at it together. Let's, let's wonder together. I'm guessing. And I think you're guessing. That's why you asked me to be here. We know there's something more. God has something better than our version of that, which is our sort of pseudo righteous, holy body. And you know what? I gotta be honest. There's a lot of people that push back against this. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of people in the, in the church, a lot of authors, a lot of um, that would say, um, no, your body's a temple and you're not taking care of it unless you, and then I always say, unless I'm what Mm -hmm. I'll be like, finish that sentence. Unless I'm eating mm-hmm. kale, because nobody was eating kale in 1984, you know? <laughs> right. I mean, right. I do like kale, but I wasn't eating it in 1984. <laughs> well, I hope those people made it to heaven. I don't know. <laughs> right. I, I don't know. I don't know, right? Unless I'm eating my green, drinking my green smoothie or I'm, and you know what? I eat kale and drink green smoothies, but uh, not because I'm holy or righteous, yeah. right? I also eat donuts and, and I brought a donut into a challenge session the other day. And this sweet girl, I thought she was going to, I thought she was going to have an accident. She, her face was like, and I said, what happens if we eat this donut together? Mm-hmm. And boy, she said, and I said, I know, cause you started the, like a sobriety chip, you know, the last time you had a donut and I don't want to be the person that eats donuts. We ate a donut together and it was lovely. It was so good, but her, you know, and it was like, you're not as holy. You're not as righteous. You ate a donut. You ate a donut. Your holiness doesn't come from that. Your righteousness doesn't come from that. And so anyway, again, I could go on. It's this, so, so, you know, our topic question was, how do we feel better about our bodies? How to, how do you feel better about your body? Yeah. Good. And it feels like the answer that most of us want to hold on to is what you just shared from one of your clients. It's this, it's a unicorn as I call it in my book. Yeah. Right. It's, I will feel better about my body when I get my ideal body, when I am thinner, when I fix this part that I don't like, like when, you know, it's an if, if, when, or if then statement. And then, so then to the listener question, it's like, well, does she feel better about her body when she's, you know, on a plan? Is that really because we feel like we are on like the up escalator to like picking our unicorn, right? Yeah. Like, to, like we're, yeah. we're on, we're on track to 
like, I love the word mirage. We are on track to the mirage, Mm -hmm. but you and I both know, and I've, I've lived it and I've talked to clients about it too. Like it is just a mirage. When you get there, it's not enough. The escalator doesn't stop at that floor. The escalator's like, sorry, you can't get off this escalator. You must keep riding. You thought you were almost good enough, but oh, silly you. You've got to just one more floor and you go one more floor. Oh, no, Mm -mm. sorry. Have you looked in the Mm -mm. mirror lately? You're not there yet. Got to stand. And the Mm -hmm. escalator doesn't let you off. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't let you off. I love that. I it actually, it, let me just tell you folks, it is not. And, and, and the word of the Lord says beauty is fleeting. Right. And I got to tell you, I'm not as young as I used to be. Beauty is fleeting. It's here and it's gone. And so whatever this mirage. So when, when the question is, how do I feel better in my body? often I'll say, well, first of all, again, which is what your initial question is, what is your version of feeling better in your body? So we kind of break that down. I have a, uh, huge, I could put in a bowl names of clients that are living in a body that is not there was not their dieting goal body and feel the best they've ever felt in their body. Mm-hmm. And part of why they do that is they're living for the first time one internally from the inside out. They're living, they're living back in their integrated whole self, which is to say, I'm no longer taking uh, cues from the world, from culture, from dieting. I'm listening to my body. And if we go back to, if we circle back to the question of the listener that says, I just feel better on a plan. I would always say, well, let's talk through what parts of that is kind of just integral to how you would normally eat. And let's take away the plan. Like what feels good about the way you're eating? Um, but let's just take away the rules around it. Let's take away, it might just be how you feel good eating. So maybe you do feel good when you wake up and you have breakfast right away. And, um, you know, maybe what's, what's integral, like what's part of, but we don't have to have the rules and the story because then you've attached how you feel to this external thing, which is telling you what to do rather than internally. How do I feel? You know, I've, 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 I've joked with you on this show before. Um, you know, I, I, I went through all of fourth grade with a bellyache. I went and the doctor told my mom, well, she's nervous. She has anxiety. She doesn't have friends. And my mom was like, you know what? No, she does have friends. She loves life. She goes to school and I would be doubled over. And, and finally at the end of the school year, I was like, well, let's, you know, let's get rid of dairy and whatever. And I did. And I, my t- tummy ache went away. And then my dad was like, oh, maybe that's why I have a bellyache. Uh, for every night when I ate a big bowl of ice cream. And so he took, stopped eating ice cream at night and his belly ache went away. Well, I can eat dairy. I have lattes every day. I have milk every day, but for a while I didn't, I, I didn't do it, but it was because my body was saying my grandma had a milk allergy. My dad was like, Oh, I forgot my mom had a milk allergy, <laughs> you know? And so that's, that's internally what's happening in my body. And I'm making decisions from the inside out which is, and again, I have so much cheese. You don't even want to know how much cheese I I have. So (laughs) I, I, I'm great now. That's I'm great. Um, I love cheese and I love, um, milk in my coffee, cow's milk. Um, so, but what that is internally is what was happening in my body. And I make decisions out of that. That's not an external thing. The doctor was telling me I was anxious, didn't have friends. And I was, 
uh, I don't feel like I don't have friends, but thanks for mentioning it, doc. You know, I <laughs> feeling pretty good actually. So that, that when people feel good in their bodies, it's when they have that autonomy and they're, they're listening in agency and they're going to a restaurant and being like tonight, I want my daughter who's living on her own. Now she's just amazing. And she said, mom, I've been cooking for myself. And, you know, I, 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 I don't really want to buy expensive meat at the um, grocery store, but she said, I finally went to Shake Shack and had a big burger because I just knew I needed some meat, right? Uh-huh. None of that is rule-based. None of that. It's her body saying, I, this is what I need. And so I feel good in my body when I'm listening to it. I feel good in my body when I'm getting enough sleep because my body needs sleep. I feel yeah. good in my body, not because somebody told me you need to have eight hours of sleep. And I would love to actually, but I feel good in my body because my body needs sleep, not because somebody told me I needed sleep. And so again, this is that, that whole, again, it's having agency. It's saying, this is my body and I'm going to listen to it. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, and I'm going to honor other people in that process. Because when we create this whole rigid system around, we basically create a bubble that says, my food rules come in first and then me. So you're welcome to nice to meet you and my food rules. Nice to meet you and my restriction. Nice to meet you. Oh, we, we can't go there. We can't do that. And so we have this whole um, lifestyle that prevents us from having fellowship and table fellowship of which, you know, I feel very, very passionate about. I feel very passionate about table fellowship. My wheels are turning because I think another way to think about this is the what happens when we don't have agency, which, you know, is, is the term clinicians use. Mm-hmm. I, I, th- I like to think about it as authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yep. Like I, I don't feel like I can have authority over what I yeah. eat Ooh, yeah, I like because, it. because YouTube, this person I follow on YouTube tells me if I keep eating this, it will be bad. And, and I hear their voice in my, in my head when I want to eat that food or, or I hear mom's voice in my head saying the same thing, you know, so I've got mom's authority and I've got YouTube's authority. And so I don't have any authority because I need to live by these rules that they want me to follow. And really what that is, Amy, right, is a boundaries issue, Yeah. Mm-hmm. right? <laughs> like we don't have agency, we don't have boundaries. And then to fix our boundaries issue, what do we do? We put up these restriction walls. Like we, we try to create boundaries, but they're not the right boundaries yeah. because they're boundaries that we really got from another authority, <laughs> right? That's not God yes. and not even not even mom who, even though she might've been messed up with her food rules actually really does care about and love you, right. <laughs> you know, like they're, they're not from the, one of those sources. Mm-hmm. They're from this other kind of unnamed unfaced source. And we're like fiercely loyal. Yes. Like we'll argue to the death about what this <laughs> source tells us uh-huh. to do. And yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just opened a big can <laughs> of something. You did, but you know what is so fun? It makes me always giggle. So, um, you know, everyone is a nutrition expert. I have my master's in nutrition, been doing this forever, but everyone is. So, yeah, um, I'm not going to say the person in my life that that says this, but they often say something, something. You know, they say you shouldn't eat after seven, or you know, they say. Da, da, da. And finally, one day, I said, "Who's they?" I said, "Just, mm-hmm. I'm just curious who they." Because I go, I think I'm the they. I think I'm the they because I'm. 
I actually have a, I think I'm the they. And they looked at me and I go, no, I think like, cause who's your they? Cause I think I'm the they. And so if you're curious, you can ask me. Uh, yeah. and it I'll was, explain it. Yeah. It was so funny. Cause I thought just exactly what you were saying. I thought, who do you think the they, who are the magical yeah. people you're talking about that are, is, I think it's coming from Alexa <laughs> from your echo. AI. I'm like, who is the they you're talking about? If it's a nutrition expert, you have one right here. I'm happy to answer your question. Mm -hmm. And so we, we exactly, we pledge our allegiance to some unknown authority over our own body. And it's like, wait, whoa, hold, hold the phone. Who is this? They, right. Who is the they that's talking social media? Um, you know, all those things. So I love that. Yeah. It's it's a collective they collective. they, And I think a they that we create for ourselves. Like we kind of curate who we want to be in our they. Yes. Right. Good. Yes. Because there are people you could follow that will tell you something different, but instead you choose. And I don't know, are we choosing because we like the bodies of the people who are saying this thing better than we like the bodies of the people who are saying this thing. I kind of like that. Um, that. I like that sentence. We curate our own they. That's a good one. That's a good <laughs> one. Actually. I think that's so true. Well, Amy, let's tie up this episode, but you promised to come back and let's talk about, we started to talk about diet culture yeah. and it kind of, it, let's talk about when we come back in the next episode, let's talk about diet culture and maybe something that's similar to that. The church has uh, received criticism around something you and I grew up in, which is purity culture. Yeah. So when we come back, let's tackle that. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Thanks for listening today. I hope something today has helped you stop comparing and start living. The Compare Do Show is proud to be part of the lifeaudio.com group. Check out lifeaudio.com for great Christian podcasts. Hey friend, I'm Brooke McLaughlin, host of the Everyday Prayers Podcast, a ministry of million praying moms. And I'm here to invite you to partner with God for the hearts of your children on the daily. Our goal at Everyday Prayers is to help moms understand and pray God's word. Join us each weekday as we share insights from God's word for today's Christian mom. Tune in to the Everyday Prayers Podcast in your favorite app or by visiting lifeaudio.com.